SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. And let's welcome on the line Marispec United's Chief Operations Officer, Mr. Quentin Jeto. Quentin, good evening from us on SAFM. Thank you very much for being able to speak to us tonight. Good evening, Tabiso, and good evening to all the listeners. Thank you. Before we talk about your involvement at Marispec United specifically, how long have you been involved in football for now, Quentin? Sure, Tabiso, you're taking me back. but you, you want me to declare my age, eh? <laughs> um, since 1997. 1997. And why football? Have you always been a football person? Yeah, I think uh, it happened by accident, to be honest. Um, I was playing uh, football uh, in school and made the Natal team at that time. Hmm. Uh, it wasn't catered in, it was the Natal team. Uh, yeah, now you're revealing then, your age. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got an injury where a stud went into the back of my calf and it ripped all the ligaments in my leg. So I couldn't play any longer. I had to basically have an operation so that I could walk properly. And uh, the next best thing was then uh, administration. Mm. So obviously went about it and com- completed everything and completed schooling and that. And then... Uh, Obviously, at that time, we had just did the, the change over from the national soccer, NPSL to PSL. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously, opportunities were scarce. And so the only way I could get in was to accept the job at Burning Rangers as the head of security, just knowing where you want to go uh, eventually. But just to put your foot in the door, I accepted the job as the head of security and yeah, from there, basically, the rest, as they say, is history. So if, if Marispec United was the first club, then does it mean you were there when they won the league? Manning Rangers, yes, not Marisbeck. Ma- sorry, Manning, Manning Rangers, sorry. Were you there when yes. they won the league? Now, was it 96, 97? That's correct. When they, when they changed the season to 96, 97, I came at the beginning of 97. And at the end of the season, we had won the league, yeah. Sure, that's interesting. And what made that team so special, uh, Quentin Jetta? Because even today, people still talk about that Manning Rangers team that won the league. Lots of hard work, eh? Mm. Uh, I don't think we had the most talented squad in day, by their own admission would admit that. Mm. But uh, we had a squad that uh, would run through walls if they had to. And Gordon, at the time, being Gordon, was very wily. And he knew how to get the best out of them. Um, they still worked, some of them. Uh, majority of the squad still had day jobs and we had to train in the evening sure. uh, and yeah he, he pulled off uh, what was, uh, was a major major coup at the time with the with a bunch of players good players but uh, limited uh, in, in certain aspects but mm. definitely hard work did did, 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 you, did the team surprise itself by winning the league or was there real belief that they could do it Look, I think, to be honest, uh, at that time, you wanted to believe, but you have to be realistic, and it was a surprise. Uh, uh, I think uh, Grant Johnson would make three or four saves in a game, and Kumanta Rakus would score in the last three minutes, and we win a game uh, after being under the cosh. But, yeah, it was just, uh, it was just uh, a lot of luck and a lot of hard work. And, and Mr. Afzal Khan would have been there at the time, right? He's actually the one that uh, basically gave me the opportunity in football, if I, if I have oh, to be wow. honest. Uh, he said to me at the time, listen, the only way you can get into this club is if you accept this job and from there you'll have to work your way up. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of, a lot of thanks uh, and, and credit to Abzal.
And yeah, how do you describe him as an administrator before we get back to you? Because people speak highly of him. Uh, if I'm very honest, so he taught me the ropes. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes administrators don't want to show other people how things are done and stuff like that. But Afzal was very open with me and the uh, top administrator really uh, showed me a lot of tricks to the game and what we needed to do and how we needed to get past certain obstacles and just to be all round, you know. And uh, yeah, I'm forever grateful to him for the opportunity that he gave back then. Wonderful. And then as head of security, Quentin, what did your duties entail that mining, mining rangers? Ah, you know, Tabiso, at that time it was, uh, it was, it, it didn't really, it wasn't really with the team, just per se. Mm. You were more with uh, match days and stuff like that and making sure match day arrangements are sorted out and security at the games. And not security for the team here and there, but it was more focused on, on, on match days where you were in charge of the overall security of the team and and the, and the supporters and the, and the stadium and making sure the checks and balances were done at the stadium. But it was just, yeah, like I said, it was just, uh, for me, it was just a, it was just, uh, a way to put my one foot into the door. And before we go further to trace your journey, Quentin Jetto, how different were those days when you started at Manning Rangers? As you mentioned, the PSL had just been rebranded. How do you compare the administrative standards to today? It's uncomparable. <laughs> um, the game from then uh, to now has transformed. And it's, 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 it's required administrators, coaches, uh, everybody to transform. Uh, we were still very, as much as it was a professional league at the time, it was still very semi-professional, if I have to be honest. Mm. Uh, the changes came a couple of years on, and year on year, the, the, the credit must be given to, 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 to people like the chairman, uh, Dr. Ivan Koza, and those type of people that have really changed the, the landscape of, of professional football in the country. Okay, for those of just joining us, we are speaking to the COO at Marispec United, Mr. Quentin Jett, who has been involved in football for a very long time, and we're just tracing back his journey. We're also going to find out more about the role of a team manager. That's what we wanted to focus on uh, tonight, but he's got a great story to tell here. So did you also travel the continent and play Kev Champions League with Marispec United, Quint- with Manning Rangers, sorry, sorry, Manning Rangers? Well, it's a, not, uh, the Manning Rangers did go into Africa mm-hmm. uh, after winning the league. Uh Yes, we were, I didn't travel with them mm-hmm. because at that point we were on a very limited budget. But we we did take care of the games when they when the teams from the rest of the continent had to come in, like Roger Casablanca, and they had to come down and play here and and stuff like that. It was, but we were more focused on home because when we travelled, we travelled with a skeleton uh, amount of people because affordability and I think everybody knows travelling into Africa is an expensive uh, journey. And then after being head of security at Mining Rangers, did you move up the ladder at the club or did you have to go and seek greener pastures somewhere else? No, I, 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 I remained there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I moved then into the development manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where I worked uh, closely with uh, the late Ian Palmer uh, while he was there at Rangers for a couple of seasons. Uh, and then eventually moved into the first team with the, the, the with Steve Compella uh, when he was at Manning Rangers, for instance. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next part of it is uh, 
like everybody else, you have to get fired once. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, then I had to get fired. <laughs> so, yeah, then I got fired. I think it was in 2004. Uh, so, you take it. Uh, and then, I think at that time, uh, Maritzburg United were trying to uh, be part of the top eight teams in the coastal stream to form the national first division. Uh, in 2004, 2005, mm-hmm. and then I went there, and we, we, we managed. I went with Abzal actually. So oh. Abzal also went there, and uh, we then managed to make sure that they qualify and and be part of the 16-team first division instead of the coastal and inland stream. Mm. And then, uh, yeah, then we we basically uh, left. Uh, in 2005, midway through. Uh, and then a couple of months later, they bought him Visa Classic. <laughs> yes, yes, so, I yeah, I left, I left a bit too early, but okay. <laughs> uh, we had left and they then bought him Visa Classic. Obviously following them closely because you had some ties with them for over a, a year or so. Mm. And then uh, they survived the first season. There was two or five, two or six in the PSL. And then the second season, 206-207, unfortunately got relegated. And uh, in July 2007, uh, I got a call uh, from the chairman, Mr. Kodogia, asking me if I'd be interested to come back now that they're in the first division. Um, And yeah, I took up the opportunity. At that time, I was, to be honest, I was out I was out of football for a year and a half in between from 97 till now. Mm. So that was my year and a half break where I concentrated on other stuff that I have uh, that I have going on. And then in 2007, July, I joined Maritzburg United in the, in the first division. And fortunately, that season, um, 2007-2008, they'd gone back into two streams. And uh, basically, we won the Coastal Stream and uh, FCAK mm-hmm. won the Inland Stream. And then there was the case with FCAK that lasted. We had to kick our heels for a month, just sitting at, well, not sitting at home, but just training more or less for two games to, to qualify to, to, to be promoted to the Premier League. And then, uh, yeah, then we managed to beat FCAK over the two games and uh, in two, at 208 that was in May that was already June June 208 mm. uh, we qualified for the PSL and then yeah we've been in the PSL since it's been a roller coaster of a ride if you've just joined us we are speaking to the COO at Marisbeck United Mr. Tracing back his uh, journey from where it all started at Manning Rangers up until now, where he is now with Maritzbeck United and has been there for a while now. He is the COO of the club. We do welcome your voice notes on 61 If you want to call us directly and find out more about the men that we're talking to tonight, you can call us on 011-714-2006. We're going to get into his roles now at Maritzbeck United and just find out what exactly they do entail. And that's why we've invited 
invited you for your comments, for your questions, if you want any clarity, especially on the role of a team manager and the duties of a team manager. So do send us uh, those voice notes. We're just going to take a quick break. And then after this break, I see actually the voice notes are coming in. I think after this break, then we're going to go to those voice notes. 061-4104-107 or 011-714-2006. If you have any questions for our guest tonight, which is Mr. Quentin Ejeto, long-serving administrator in South African football. Sport on on SAFM. Uh, Mr. Thomas Musia, this is Brian from Orange Farm. Uh, my question is to Mr. Quinton. How, how, how good is their development structures that we have seen uh, clubs like Mamelodi Sundowns, Orlando Pirates and Skeza Chiefs failing to develop youth players, but any player that comes from Marisbeck as a development player, they tend to be professional, unlike Keza Chiefs and other clubs. What is the trick that they are doing as a club? Evening, the member Tulane from Milan. Can you please ask the guest there? Is mastering the four management resources make you one of the best managers in any sport? The information resource, the financial resource, the physical resource, and the human resource. That's what I've learned in school. Is that what it is at the workplace? Thanks. To learn from Holland. Hey, Mr. Jetto, just like an oak tree, we have stood the test of time. Here's my question then. Whether as a chief operations officer or a team manager, Let's draw a scenario here. In that case of clash of colors uh, recently between Amazulu and uh, and uh, whatever team, Talans, what could be the role of a team manager or a, a chief operations officer? Funny enough, in the enclosure, your club Manning Rangers lost 9-2 in the opening stages of the match uh, against Chiefs. But they wanted to win the league that year. Congrats. Thank you, Butinkonki in doing this. Thank you. Butinkonki, thanks for reminding us about that. Paul and Lanya once mentioned it when we spoke to him on, on, on the show, that 9-2 defeat there. I don't know if you want to go back there with uh, Quintin Jetto. But Quintin, there was a question about the four pillars of management from Tulani. He wants to know, he says he's studying, and is it true that if you want to be in administration, these are the four pillars, information, I think he said financial management, physical management, and human management or human resources. Yeah, I think uh, he's definitely right uh, in terms of... Uh, but if you're going into administration, I don't think physical part f- forms part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more financial and uh, HR and uh, man management more than uh, physical management. Uh, mm-hmm. Because, you know, in a football club, uh, besides dealing with between 30 and 35 players, you have another 10 technical staff. And unfortunately, footballers all believe they are the best and you have to deal with that on a day-to-day. So... I think more man management, uh, physical, definite, uh, financial, definitely, and HR definitely are the three main components that will assist you uh, in, 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 in any sport management, whether it be a football club or any other uh, sporting sporting uh, code. Mm-hmm. 
And there was a question about your development structures at the club. You seem to produce players every single season. Unknown players also even gave us Bongogusha Shongwane recently, but they get snapped up by the big clubs when, when they make their mark in, in, in the league. What does this say about your development structures? And, and what is the plan there? How do you find these players? Look, it's, it's, it's very intricate, Tabiso. Uh, you know, um, most importantly, you have to identify where you are as a club. So we don't have the same resources as the clubs, the bigger clubs. So we have limited resources. But within your limited resources, you have to plan. Uh, you have to identify and say, okay, how will I, I cannot have, I cannot afford to have a development structure from under six right through to under 21. So how do I go about short-circuiting? How do I uh, create relationships with, with, with other clubs within your, 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 your province or your area, as well as having uh, good relationships throughout the country? So for us, um, in terms of, I know we do find and we do seem to have a knack of bringing through players, but mm. a lot of hard work behind the scenes from the guys in the under-17s, the under-19s, as well as the MDC team. A lot of work goes into the coaches there, uh, the guys that work with support staff there. And having relationships with people all over the country uh, helps you when there is some kids, because a lot of clubs focus in the more affluent areas and uh, forget about the kids that are that, are, that, that, that have equal talent but are, don't have the opportunity. So... We like to provide an opportunity. We have a relationship currently with the with the municipality. So our first and for uh, our first obligation has to be uh, to the youngsters in and around KZN. That has to be our first focus. But if there's an exceptional youngster from somewhere else in the country, we don't close the door. So we have we have a limited amount of of, of kids from outside of the province. But our majority and our focus is definitely within the KZN province uh, and the youngsters within KZN. Okay, wonderful. And let's just focus now on the role of a team manager. When did you start occupying that role at Marisbeck United, Quinton? At Marisbeck United from the very beginning, from 2007. And what exactly does that role entail? What are the duties of a team manager? It's, it's, you know, the name, the name, the title... And I don't like titles, to be honest. I tell everybody that they can call me a GA. I don't. I'm not interested about whether chief operations, operations manager, team manager, whatever you want to call me. Mm. I say you can call me a GA because as a team manager, you've got to understand that when I say GA, I mean general assistant. Mm-hmm. Because as as the, as the name says, team manager. Basically, you have to manage the team, but it's not just the team. It's the day-to-day running. It's the 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 logistics uh, of home games, logistics of away games, the player welfare, the 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 youth welfare. You gotta you gotta have your finger on the pulse. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of administrators, and I'm not going to. I don't want to talk about anybody else, but mm-hmm. too many people come into more so football than other sports because they believe that it's a it's a how can I say it's a glamorous it's a glamorous, make you famous. Uh, it's a glamorous place to be mm. 
But I learned very, very early, uh, so in, in, in when I started, that football is not a job. It's a lifestyle. And if you understand that football is a lifestyle, then you know that you have to live it. Because if you can't live it, you should not be in it. And if you accept that football is a lifestyle, so you don't have public holidays, you don't have weekends, you don't have your family are so important. And that's why most times you'll hear, whether it's footballers, whether it's coaches, whether it's administrators, they'll always be so grateful for the support that they get from their family. Because most times your family suffers because you're always on the road, you're always traveling, you never hear, you miss events. Uh, but that's simply because you understand from the very beginning that football is a lifestyle. And the moment you understand that football is a lifestyle, you will not have a problem in making sure that you progress and succeed within the sport. But if you think football is glamorous because there's TV and there's radio and there's your photo in the paper, and if that's the reason why you get into it, then it's for the wrong reason. If you get into it for the right reason and you have a passion for the sport and you enjoy like I do, uh, my biggest joy doesn't come from the first team, for argument's sake. My biggest joy mm-hmm. comes from taking uh, a Bandile Shandu at the age of 16 when he's still in grade 11 and making him a professional. Taking uh, Sita and Glovo that's not that that's playing in the, in the, in the castle league and making him a professional, taking a, 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 a Mataringa that everybody in Joburg wrote off, and now making him a successful player. That, for me, gives you more joy than any money in the world. So if you understand that that's your role, that you're going to change those kids' lives, uh, I've been to, I'm not going to mention players' names, but mm. I've been to kids when they... 16, 17 years old and you're going to get their parents' blessings for you to sign them. And they come from areas without running water. But then you take them and you change them and you see the growth in them. For me, that's the most pleasure that you can get from any job. So, yeah, the moment you understand that your your role as a team manager or an operations manager or, or whatever title you want to call it, at some, times, at, some times, at some point, you have to be a father. At some point, you have to be a son. To, you, you have to act like you're the son because the player feels that he's more experienced. And there's sometimes when you have to be a psychologist, you have to be a teacher, you have to be a financial advisor. So you have to be all-rounded if you want to contribute to the team's success. And you have to understand that the team is made up of individuals that all come from different backgrounds. So you have to have patience. You have to be able to converse with them. You have to be able to give them the comfort to know that if he's going through a crisis in his, in his private life, your door is open, and they're able to come and discuss it with you, able to give them advice. You have to take from your life experience and try to help them. You're not always spot on, and you have to tell them that from the beginning. That, listen, I'm going to try and give you some advice. I'm not saying it's the right advice, but this is what worked for me. Maybe try it and see if it works for you. You've got to be receptive. You've got to be re- uh, receptive to all that. And that's why I'm saying it's a, it's a 24-7 job. It, and it, 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 it has the joys you don't get from the results 
that the people see often, the, the, the supporters mm. and the general public see after 90 minutes. The joy that everybody takes out is different. For me, my joy comes from taking kids that don't have a chance and don't have uh, don't get an opportunity and you give them this opportunity and they grow into becoming good professionals. I mean so it's not just about the fo- it's not just about the football you you also I have to be involved in in off the field matters and family ma- and personal matters of these players. 100%. And you you know you get calls some players misbehave and they boys they mm. listen they, they unfortunately they boys and all boys are naughty including you and I but these boys are in the spotlight. So if, if I drive my car and I'm stopped by the police and I'm and I'm over this over the alcohol limit, uh, mine goes to court and I pay a fine and, and I go away. Mm. But if it's if it's Joseph that's now playing for a team called X, Y, and Z, their spotlight becomes different. And then the pressure from that. And, and there's so many different aspects that you have to guide and they you have to treat them like your son. And you have to guide them through basically life. Mm. And you and I know that we all made mistakes. So I'm not. I'm, I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. And if I, the only thing I can draw from that is take the mistakes that I've made, and hopefully help these kids to become better, not just footballers but better human beings. Mm. And and administratively, then, uh, Quentin, what are some of the duties of a of of a, of, of a team manager? Because we always hear about the NSL handbook. Does that document help? Does it give guidelines on what needs to be done and how it should be done? It gives you it gives you every guideline. Oh. Uh, the, the 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 NSL handbook. Uh, if you're an administrator, like I have it on my PDF saved on my phone, because at any given time you you will be faced with a situation, and you've got to have it readily available. And you've got to, like, uh, good Christian people read the Bible. Mm. If you want to be a good administrator, you've got to read the handbook. You've got to know the rules. You've got to understand that if I'm faced with the situation. So when you're traveling, when you're on a bus uh, driving from Joburg to Polokwane, or whether you're on a flight from Durban to Cape Town, or anywhere that you're traveling, you have time to read. You, you, you and you get to the hotel and all your meetings are done for the evening. You can read. If you read through, if you read through the, the handbook, Mm. It will equip you to make the right decisions as an administrator because sometimes it's not going to happen every time where you have a blip and where something transpires. But when it does transpire, you have the knowledge because you've read through it. And you have to read through the through the NSL handbook consistently to refresh your memory, to keep you abreast of what the changes. There's always change. There's always going to be changes. Every year and year there's BOGs with meetings that change certain rules. When the rules are changed, you have to make sure you're aware of the rule change, that you prepare for it. There's different things that need to be uh, implemented. They all they keep you abreast all the time. The league does an excellent job in that. Mm. And us as administrators need to take heed to that. We need to, we need to empower ourselves daily. And the only way we can empower ourselves daily is by reading our Bible. Our Bible is the NFL handbook. Okay. There was a question earlier on from Butinko from India in the Eastern Cape wanting to know in the situation that we saw recently with a clash of colors between Amazulu and Gallants, would a team manager have been involved there? 
Does a team manager have a role to play to avoid a situation like that from happening, or is it left to the kit manager? No, the, the team manager has to have a role uh, uh, to play because the rules are very clear. Uh, the rules are clear that ordinarily we only have, currently we have match meetings via Zoom with all the role players a day before the game. Pre, uh, Pre-COVID, we had match meetings three hours uh, before a game. But we have a phone meeting, which is all part of the NFL handbook, 72 hours before a match. So the both teams, the home team's responsibility to get in, uh, to get in contact with the away team, to discuss colors, to discuss all the representatives that will be part of the of the event, uh, with all the all, whatever whatever requirements are, are needed in the phone meeting are all discussed 72 hours before a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the event that I had a situation last season where I'm not going to speak about Amazulu and Gallum, mm-hmm. I had a situation last season when we played Cape Town City because we were playing with blue, white, and blue, and our alternate was our alternate also clashed with it. Mm. So they had blue, and I'm not sure what the other color was, but the colors were too similar. Mm. So we had to discuss it. When we discussed it 72 hours, 72 hours before the match, Exxon City said, listen, guys, there's going to be a challenge. If you change your socks to blue, then we can play in the full white. You have to change your shorts and your socks to blue, and then we'll play in full white. So we had that discussion. We didn't have blue socks. We had to get in touch with the supplier, ask them to then give us the blue socks, specifically just for that game, because we used white socks the entire season last season. But specifically for Cape Town City, they played in all white, and we played in all blue, and then there was no clash. Even though they were at home and we were away, but that was simply by engagement Mm. and simply by having a discussion to say, listen, you can't play in these colors because we're going to have a clash. If you play with white and, and blue, then we're going to clash somewhere. We have full white and we have full blue. So we have to decide. So then we made a decision between the two clubs that we would play in full blue and they would play in full white, which avoided any clash. Sure. Okay, there you have it then. It can be avoided um, if, 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 if you do have those conversations prior uh, to the game. And that's what happened. That's why we didn't know about it, Maris Beck and Cape Town City, because it was sorted out way before. We still welcome your voice notes. We'll just take a quick break and we'll wrap up the conversation after this. Time is going so fast. You. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. Let me also acknowledge some of the comments on social media. Wandilem Tana, where's your tweet now? I can't. Okay, there it is. It says from team manager to COO for Mr. Quentin Jetto. It's a milestone achievement. His hard work needs to be rewarded by the club. They need to break into the top three now to reward this man. We know the club is ambitious enough to compete for all teams. And um, then there was a, a question for Quentin Jetto, which I've seen here. Oh, it says, Quentin, what joy do you get out of this job? And I think you've touched on it, but maybe they've I just joined I've, us. Yeah, I think I've really, I think you, I've explained. It's the, the progression the, of the players, right? Like you said, and just changing lives. Definitely, definitely. Okay, wonderful. And then the other question from me, we've spoken about the NSL handbook. Um, there's also the PSL compliance manual. Those manuals were introduced in 2007. Are these, just for clarity, these are two different uh, documents and 
And what does the compliance manual talk to then? Yeah, I think the handbook gives you all the rules mm-hmm. uh, from A to Z in terms of whether you're registering a player to whether you're organizing a match to hit colors that you were discussing just now. It gives you all that. And then the compliance manual is just that. Uh, it's basically what you as a club have to comply with. Uh, it gives you a complete manual breakdown. That's why I say the, 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 the NSL have done a tremendous job in giving these documents so it makes it easy for all clubs to understand what they need to comply with. And the compliance manual is basically that, mm-hmm. uh, where, you, where you have to comply with uh, all, all, the, all, all, all the legal stuff uh, in terms of organizing a game, in whatever, whatever, whatever facet it is. It gives, you, it gives you guidance in every department of, of, uh, of a day-to-day of a football club. Okay. Another question, talking about day-to-day, is what are your exact duties on match day? Now, let's say there's a Friday night game at Harry Kuala. As team manager, what will you be responsible for? Yeah, I think uh, the roles vary from different clubs because um, some clubs have more staff than others and some clubs like Maritzburg have less. So, Basically, on match day, uh, I don't just form part of the team manager role. Mm-hmm. I also have the responsibility of being the event manager. Uh, and also with COVID now, the compliance officer. So for me, it, it's much, much, much of a bigger role where you have the team functions and getting the team to the stadium, making sure the cards are there, making sure team sheets in order, making sure the kit manager has all his stuff in order and and, 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 and all the other integrities. But then it's also, like I said, for me, it becomes different because I then am the event manager, which basically puts you in charge of the event, which sometimes, okay, now without crowds, it's much, 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 much more easier. But when you, ha- when you have crowds in, then you basically, if anything goes wrong at a match and you being the event manager, you will be the one to stand in court to answer. So it takes a much bigger role and, and a much more responsibility of making sure all the planning meetings are done, whether it be with all the different uh, different uh, units of the security, the police, the medical, and all, all the role players that, uh, that come to them. So you basically take complete control of that. And then obviously now with, uh, with COVID mm-hmm. and having the compliance officer role, it also to make sure that we fully compliant in terms of the government regulations and the rules that uh, the that the NSL have set out for us to successfully uh, host events now during COVID. Okay, and do you also have to look after the wags, the wives and the girlfriends? Let's say um, a Dalian Klassen brings his wife to the stadium and she needs to sit in a designated area. Are you in charge of that, making sure that they're all taken care of? Thank God, I'm not. <laughs> 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 I can understand why. <laughs> Thank God I'm not. No, no, no. Okay. Uh, we have uh, we have some very capable uh, ladies that uh, run those and make sure that all the wives and girlfriends and the directors and all the guests that are invited when people are invited that they take. We have quite a, a, a good group of hostesses that uh, host all of them and make sure that they're comfortable and they have they have, they have a good uh, experience while watching the match but uh, mm. thank god it's not <laughs> let's take one more voice note as we wrap up our conversation with mr quinton jetto evening mr taviso and mr quinton uh mr quinton i just want to ask can you offer 
uh, advices to the person who has got a passion of becoming a, a team owner or a team manager or anything related to a football club in the management. Good evening. Good evening. Thank you for that. Any advice for those who want to get involved in football? Yeah, I think uh, it's, a, it's, it's, it's very rewarding to be involved in football. But the most important thing, like I said earlier, and I'll reiterate, Sabiso, uh, is that if you want to be involved in not just football, in any sport, but football in particular, you've got to understand that it's not a life of glitz and glamour. It's a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication, and a lot of commitment. And most importantly, a lot of sacrifice. So if you prepare to work hard, sacrifice a lot, and then reap the, the benefits of having the joy of watching your team win or getting into a cup final or whatever the case is, mm. that comes secondary. But the most important uh, trait you need to have is to be very, uh, very honest and work very hard. And hopefully you get an opportunity and you, if you have those traits, I think you can be successful in any sport. And just the last one from me, Quentin. We know the PSL always has an induction process for new members of the league, whether you've been promoted or bought. As a veteran in this space, I mean, do you offer advice with some of your colleagues? Is there a space where you share ideas, you share advice, especially with the ones that are still new? Yeah, I think uh, the PSL does do it, but uh, I've always made myself available. And uh, I mean, I, I, on many occasions... Uh, I would have to call and ask uh, uh, somebody like George Mahotzi mm. or Jose Ferreira. I would. Uh, there's nothing wrong, and my my line is always open to everybody involved in the game. Uh, if I can offer any advice and I can help in any situation, I, I will. And I've, I've gotten help along the way, like I said, with the veteran administrators like George and mm. uh, Jose and all those guys. So they helped me along, and I would. Only, only, it was only a pleasure help anybody else along. Wonderful, Quentin. Thank you for engaging us. Thank you for the time you've given us tonight. We just wanted to highlight what you've done and just give you the respect that you deserve for the contribution and for saving our football for so many years. I know you like to stay behind the scenes. You're never there in the pictures or you're never there in the front, but we do notice what you do and long may it continue, sir. No, thank you very much for the opportunity, uh, Tobiso. And yeah, your kind words are really... Uh, I'm really grateful to you. Thank you. And we hope we've helped somebody there who's interested in getting involved in football or wanted to find out more about some of the roles that the people play behind the scenes that we don't really see or know much about because the focus is always on the stakeholders, always on the players and all of that. Uh, But these guys play an important role uh, behind the scenes. And that's why we're going to continue bringing them on on this show to find out more about them and more about the work that they do.